Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, fans clamor every week on Thursday when we hook up with Razor Sharp Time. Warren Sharp joins us every week from the MGM National Harbor. Uh, And I got to tell you, uh, first of all, Warren, great to see you. Uh, Happy holidays, all the rest uh, as we uh, gear up for a big uh, Pharrell's Giving next week. I know we got a big game tonight, but I also want to give Warren credit. Clearly the reason why they've now passed mobile sports betting in the state of Maryland. Warren, with the final push, all he had to do was come on Sports Grid, start talking about all his skinny and scoop on NFL games. The next thing you know, Maryland allows sports betting. Way to go, Warren. Nice job. They're even giving out $200 in free bets. No deposit required. You got to be 21 in Maryland, but you're in business next week on Wednesday. Betting starts November 23rd. All because of Warren Sharp. You've done it again, Warren. Way to go. You're a leader of the people. And let's talk Good thing about- I just turned 21, Scott. Now, now I can actually mobile bet here, you know? I mean, thank God you're finally allowed to get a beer and go up to the window. We got a Thursday nighter at Lambeau in Green Bay. Titans have covered seven straight, taking on the Packers, coming off a big comeback win against the Cowboys. Yeah, they are, and I think they're going to get Simmons back at defensive tackle, which is going to be big. They're still down a couple of players at multiple levels of their defense, but I think this Tennessee Titans team is going to be somewhat limited because I don't really know how much Ryan Tannehill is going to give them with his still not 100% ankle. I mean, he came back and he played last week, but he's not at 100%, and now he's going up into the very cold temperatures up in Green Bay. We're not going to have snowmageddon like we might be getting in Buffalo in a couple of days, but it's going to be very frigid up in Green Bay. I'm so worried about his ankle uh, performing well enough when he's dropping back to pass in this game. Meanwhile, we're looking at a Green Bay Packers team that obviously had to expend a lot of energy coming back in that game against the Dallas Cowboys. But, uh, you know, that game, the Green Bay Packers were down by 14 points in the fourth quarter. Um, They really got a lot of efficiency on just a few big throws from Aaron Rodgers to Christian Watson, finally connected uh, in that relationship. But I absolutely think that this game is going to play a lot tighter to the vest. I think the Green Bay Packers are probably going to try to 
run the ball a little bit more here. I think the I think the uh, Tennessee Titans are definitely going to be trying to run the ball. I don't actually expect a ton of efficiency out of Derrick Henry, even though that's the weakness of the Green Bay Packers. I think they're going to load up to try to stop the run and force Ryan Tannehill to pass the ball on his bum ankle. Yeah, and then you got Ben Jones out, Imani Hooker out, Randy Bullock, the kicker out, Bud Dupree, the linebacker, all out for Tennessee. And that number went from three to three and a half today. Uh, all those injuries, I got to tell you, you know, uh, you don't have your center. You don't have your kicker. I mean, that's a big difference to me. Uh, like the Steelers without Boswell, it hurts them. Uh, late in games, you need your kicker to be able to knock one through and win a game or in overtime. He's not there. I don't trust backup kickers. I don't trust any kicker. You know, I would never raise my kids to be a kicker. Like, these guys go through, they, they turn crazy. I mean, I, it just takes such mental fortitude to be a kicker. And then when you start missing a few, like, everything starts to spiral out of control. And certainly backup kickers, if I don't trust a regular kicker, I'm not going to trust a backup either. So, uh, I know, first of all, I want to welcome all of our radio affiliates. Sirius XM Channel 159, Sports Map Radio Network in Houston, Sports Byline USA in the city, by the way. So, Warren, your uh, one-game parlay for the Thursday night game, what are we looking at here? Okay, so I went on to the MGM app, and keep in mind, you can do this one-game parlay. You put in four legs. If you miss one, you get your money back. So you got insurance there if you miss one. I'm going with a little bit of a, a low yardage total on Derrick Henry for him to hit 60-plus rushing yards. I don't think he's going to get a ton, but I think he might get 60-plus. The biggest upside for this team is if Derrick Henry is going to get into the end zone. So Derrick Henry to score a touchdown. The Packers in the first half to go under 21 and a half points. The, the, uh, the game total will be under 21 and a half. And Christian Watson, 30 and a half receiving yards. Pretty low thresholds. He'll clear that number. And that pays out plus 360. I love that. I love those bets. I think all four of them are juicy. I think that could easily hit. What do you think uh, the effect of Rogers' thumb is here? He's had the bad thumb. It's going to be cold. I like him in cold weather over Tannehill any day of the week. I do too. I just We just saw the way that this offense came out. Last week, what was it at halftime? Aaron Rodgers had six attempts. All they were trying to do was run the football. And Aaron Rodgers, when he came out in the first half to the sideline, was constantly fidgeting around with that thumb. So it still is obviously bothering him. He was able to have some success throwing the ball on a few deep strikes down the field. Uh, but I think those might be a little bit fewer and further in between. I think they're going to try to run the ball. The Titans are good against the run, especially with Simmons there. Uh, but they're just going to I think it's going to be a balanced effort here uh, for the Green Bay Packers and just try to get out of dodge with a win and continue to rebound their season, build on what they did last week. Respectfully, I got uh, 25 seconds. Does Watson continue his role for the Packers like he did last week? I think the chemistry is definitely there. Uh, it's improving, and I think that he's going to continue improving. That's why I like him over third, 30 receiving yards. But I don't think he's going to have a game like he did last week. That was just a, you know, a total shock out of, the, out of the cold. I think he's going to come down to earth from last week but still be productive. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, close scoring games. Dallas, Minnesota, and the 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, for all back on Coast to Coast, we're with Warren Sharp at the MGM National Harbor and the BetMGM Sportsbook and Lounge right there at the MGM. He's styling as usual. Uh, We'll get into it later in this hour, but the game in Buffalo between uh, the Bills and Browns has been moved. Once again, they're going to move it to Detroit and not play in this gigantic six-foot-of-snow blizzard that's about to tomahawk the Buffalo area coming up this weekend. It's going to be a savage storm, and uh, they've already moved the game, so it will be played at Ford Field. 2014, they did the same thing. They moved a game to Ford Field. We'll get into that later with Warren. What about all these close-scoring games this year, Warren, and comebacks like we saw with Dallas blowing that two-touchdown lead at Lambeau last Sunday afternoon. We've seen 87 games decided by one score this year. That's the most that we have seen in the NFL since I could go back in a database uh, to 1990. So I didn't check before 1990, but it's the most we've seen. And in addition to that, 33 teams that were trailing entering the fourth quarter have come back to win games. That's also the most that we've seen since 1989. A team did that in 1989, uh, and we saw a few more than 33. So we're seeing a massive rate of, and the NFL is happy that all these games are close, but part of the reason that these games are close, Scott, is because the teams that have the lead are letting their foot off the gas big time. Teams that are leading entering the second half of games are averaging only 9.4 points in the second half. That number is a low for the last 20 plus years, I think. The last last season in 2021, they were averaging 12.4 points in the second half. We're averaging three points less than that in the second half of games this year. It's because the way that defenses are playing right now encourages teams to run the ball a little bit more and these offenses that have the lead are buying into that and they're just taking their foot off the gas a little bit too much. 
Here's the problem. I mean, I know because I've helped teams game plan for games. There's so much work that goes into figuring out how to attack opponent. And then once you've figured out how to attack the opponent, there's so much work that actually goes into getting it right and executing it out on the field to be lucky enough, and so many things have to go your way, to build a lead at halftime. And so to you know, let that all go by the wayside because you're being too conservative in the second half is absolutely inexcusable. More of these teams that are leading at halftime need to continue to try to assert themselves offensively to try to grow these leads so they're not surrendering them and allowing other teams to come back and steal games from them. Why the hell are they doing this? Like, it makes no sense to me. If you have a team on the ropes, uh, you strangle them. Why in God's name? Like, I can't for the life of me fathom what happened at Lambeau last Sunday. You go to the fourth quarter, you're up 28-14. You never score again, and you stop playing. How does that make any sense in the world to you that they, and what were they, 191-0 and with a two-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter in their history? Not anymore. Yeah, teams are playing prevent defense in those situations, and they're also now starting to play prevent offense. Uh, the way that defenses are playing the too high shell, when teams are leading, it's encouraging those teams with the lead to run the ball, and they're ending up being inefficient, punting the ball back on third downs because they're not bypassing as many third downs. It's, it's definitely something different that we're seeing this year that we have not seen in recent memory, and it's a big-time problem for a lot of these teams around the league. They've got to do a better job to close out these games by being aggressive, which is the same way that they built these leads in the very first place. Well, I guess as a better, you're uh, in a good place then. If you're down at the half, we used to think it was over, you're done, move on to the next game, I'm gonna rip the ticket. Uh, you might as well save that ticket till the end because there's usually a comeback and a chaotic ending in the NFL these days. The script's like the same every week. Now Dallas is coming off this letdown at Lambeau and now they go to US Bank in Minneapolis. I can't for the life of me figure out why they're favored over an eight and one team that's four and oh at home. Well, I think part of the reason is what we saw happen last week, and that is that last week we saw this Minnesota Vikings team trail the Buffalo Bills 27 to 10 with two minutes left in the third quarter of that game. We likewise saw the Dallas Cowboys, as we just discussed, up 28 to 14 in the fourth quarter. And Dallas ends up losing because of the way they played offense and defense. And the Minnesota Vikings end up winning because of the way the Buffalo Bills played offense and defense. If you look at that game closer, what we tend to value is what happens over the majority of the game. What is your overall efficiency in this game? Not what happens in garbage time at the tail end of games. And in that game, in the first half, Buffalo was plus 0.22 EPA per play, and Minnesota was minus 0.20 EPA per play. Third quarter, Buffalo plus 0.13. Uh, through the first three quarters, Minnesota minus 0.12. Buffalo was night and day the better team on Sunday last week. They had seven trips into the red zone against this Minnesota Vikings defense. However, they scored only three touchdowns, settled for two field goals, threw two interceptions, and fumbled the ball on the Vikings' 34-yard line. So they had more points there uh, on the table that they ended up letting go by the wayside did the Buffalo Bills offense. And that's one of the things I think about this game is I'm looking at this Minnesota Vikings defense 
They obviously allowed a ton of production to uh, the Buffalo Bills last week. I don't really trust this defense of the Minnesota Vikings. If we look at some of their last few opponents, last week they're playing a quarterback with an injured elbow. The week before that, it's a backup for Washington. The week before that, they're playing the Arizona Cardinals, who are bad passing attack and are down three-fifths of their offensive line. The week before that, it's a third-string quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. And the week before that, it's the Chicago Bears before they adapted their offense to Justin Fields' strength and let him run the football. The Dallas Cowboys, right now since Dak has returned from injury, are the number two offense tied with the Miami Dolphins in EPA per play. This team is also very good against two high-shell defenses, and the Minnesota Vikings play the second-highest rate of two high-shell defense in the NFL. Dak Prescott has a very high success rate. He's number two over the last two years. Dak is number two out of 35 quarterbacks in success rate against two high-shell defenses. So I think that the Dallas Cowboys are going to have some success here. The one key injury, I, I keep checking my phone every single break, is Christian Derrissaw practicing? And is Anthony Barr going to play in this game for the Dallas Cowboys? If Barr plays, that's going to allow Micah to blitz the quarterback a lot more. He was playing a lot more uh, coverage last week, wasn't able to get after the quarterback because Anthony Barr was out. Anthony Barr a chance to face his old team. If he's there, Parsons is going to go after the quarterback more. And guess what? Christian Derrissaw, he's the number one rated left tackle. He's been playing great this year, and he suffered a concussion last week. He didn't practice yesterday. I want to see if he's going to be able to practice today. If not, high likelihood he doesn't go. And that's going to be a problem for Kirk Cousins, who really struggles under pressure. Wow, that's incredible stuff. So, uh, respectfully, I got about 90 seconds. Jets, Pats in Foxborough at Gillette. Pats always beat them. Can the Jets go up there and finally beat the Pats? That's what the public thinks. I mean, Scott, look, this line is crazy. Two weeks ago, two games ago, rather, this line was minus three for the Patriots, but the game was in New York. The game, uh, the Patriots have played two games since then. They beat the Jets. They were up by double digits in the second half of that game, and they ended up covering the spread. And then they beat and just totally trampled the Indianapolis Colts led by Sam Ellinger. That's all they did. They've made no mistakes, and now all of a sudden they're only laying three points at home when they were laying three points and covered it in New York just a couple of games ago. It's all because the New York Jets beat the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills blew a lead in that game. I, I think that the Patriots... Minus three, that's a cheap price for you right now. I think the Patriots are going to have enough success here. I know the public likes the Jets, but I think the Patriots are the sharp side here. I mean, Belichick absolutely owns the Jets like no other team. It is unbelievable what he's been able to do to them. Uh, when we come back, uh, Warren's going to get into the Eagles coming off their first loss, taking on the Colts in Indy. Detroit and the Giants in East Rutherford and the Dallas-Minnesota game that we've been talking about. Uh, we'll hit all the games on Coast to Coast. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Know your prey. This is a whole new jungle. This is The Lion's Share, brought to you by BetMGM. Don't forget, you can uh, get the BetMGM app. It's something that's uh, imperative that you do that. And then you get a risk-free bet up to $1,000 if you use the bonus code Coast to Coast. That's Coast, the number two, and Coast. 1000 bucks, risk-free. I mean, you're styling. Just get BetMGM and you're on your way. We're talking to Warren Sharp, our lead NFL analyst from the MGM National Harbor. And the reason I mentioned Dallas and Minnesota again before we went out was because I got to get your feeling on uh, the Vikings in terms of being a top seed uh, in the playoffs. You know, everybody's got Philadelphia and, you know, the Niners and just about everybody. You don't ever hear anybody talking about the Vikings being the top seed. They're eight and one. They beat the Eagles. And they're 4-0 at home. Where do you think they'll end up? The Vikings lost to the Eagles. The Eagles won that game, I think, 24-7. to It was in Philly, dominated Kirk Cousins. Uh, I think Kirk threw a couple of red zone interceptions. But I think the Minnesota Vikings are worthy of in, being in that conversation. Like, they are a very good team. But I would absolutely, on a neutral field, be taking the Philadelphia Eagles. I would be taking the Dallas Cowboys. I would be taking the San Francisco 49ers, uh, amongst some others, uh, especially if we see how Tampa Bay does uh, down the stretch here. I think the Minnesota Vikings are a good team. They're a much better team than they were before. Their record is indicative of the fact that they're being coached well, but they are having a lot of things go their way this year in terms of the the uh, results in some of these close games in terms of the uh, injury luck as well. A lot of things are flowing in their favor at this moment. We'll see if they end up losing Derisaw for any point in time. Uh, but it is going to be interesting to see how they would fare. They've got a great home field advantage. That home field advantage, they play much better at home. The crowd really gets into those games. So that would help them if they're able to lock up some of these games and, and secure that number one seed and play, throughout, play at home throughout the NFC Championship. So the Eagles, how do they respond after the game against the Commanders? They finally lost, and now they go on to see the Colts with all of this nonsense, uh, frankly, Jeff Saturday hype. Now suddenly he's the greatest coach since Vince Lombardi because they won a football game. How will the Eagles handle the Colts? Look, I could spend like 20 minutes talking about Jeff Saturday, but I won't do it. I actually have a difference of opinion. Like, I think 
I think the whole issue of the Jeff Saturday thing has been way overblown and way jumped the shark. The reality is a lot of head coaches don't actually do that much. What clearly Jeff Saturday was doing was just empowering the guys underneath of him on the offensive staff to call good plays and play good players and the defensive side to do the exact same thing. And Saturday really wasn't like making wholesale changes or trying to come in and like architecture the entire offense. He was just telling guys do what you've been doing and, and think up some new ideas if you want to and present them to me. I don't think Jeff Saturday's the architect of that win last week, but I also don't think it was such a big deal that he was given this role uh, at this point during the season because I don't think some head coaches do that much, and that's okay. But in this game, I'm looking at Philadelphia. You asked a great question, Scott, and that was how does this Eagles team bounce back? And if history is a guide, they bounce back great. Since Jalen Hurts became their starter, after they lose a game, the games that they play next are 7-2 and two to the over since he's been starting at the end of 2020. And if they lost their last game because the offense didn't perform well and they went under their team total, they are 6-1 and one to the over in their next games, which is exactly where we find them here. I think this offense does get back on track. I think this Colts team is very overrated from a defensive perspective. Think about it. Most teams play a backloaded schedule of divisional opponents, but the Indianapolis Colts have played five teams from the AFC South. What that means is they played a lot of their games against the AFC South, and what that means is they played a lot of bad offenses because that's what the AFC South really brings to the table. In addition to those teams, they've played number 31 Denver Broncos offense, 26th uh, New England Patriots, 25 Washington Commanders, and 18 Las Vegas Raiders. They haven't played anybody good all season except for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think Philly goes in here and is able to put up points even without their number one tight end. And on the flip side, I think the Indianapolis Colts are able to attack this Eagles team at their weakness. Two places. Number one, they're going to be able to run the football. And number two, they're going to throw the ball short. Matt Ryan lowered his time to throw. They were just getting the ball out really short. Well, guess what? That's where the Philadelphia Eagles defense struggles. This is a number two overall pass defense. But if you throw the ball less than seven yards, they are number 27 against the pass. They're bad covering these short passes. I think Indy does enough here. Uh, there is definitely value above the seven in grabbing the Colts. I think this game goes over the total. It was in at 44. I sent that out to clients, uh, which, by the way, a three-week over at Sharp Football Analysis. You can go there and get everything for free this week, uh, sharpfootballanalysis.com. But I sent that out. We moved the line from 44 up to 44 and a half and 45. I still think there's value there if you can get below the 45. Whoa, it's free week and sharp football analysis. Everybody's doing it. They just won't admit it. Lions came off wins over the Packers and the Bears. And now here they go to Snoopy to see the G-Man in East Rutherford. How do you think they're going to do this time? Can you imagine them winning three in a row? Look, Jared Goff typically struggles when he's playing outdoors. They were very fortunate. They had a pick six last week. It really helped them uh, get the win against the Chicago Bears Kuda. game. They probably should have lost. If you look at this team and what they did last week, obviously they're without their number one tight end, right? He, he's now in Minnesota. So this team, all it was was Amara St. Brown. Swift is not running the ball often or with much efficiency. Their defense is still bad. And I think Daniel Jones is going to have a field day potentially on the ground running for a lot of yardage here against a defense that plays a lot of man coverage, turns their back to the quarterback, and leaves gaps in the defensive line. I think Daniel Jones could run for a lot. I think Saquon Barkley could run for a lot. I know a lot of people 
think that the New York Giants are overrated. They shouldn't have this record, just like some people think the same of the Minnesota Vikings. They got fortunate because the Houston Texans got into the Giants' red zone six times last week and turned the ball over multiple times, settled for field goals, and couldn't seal the deal there. All of that is completely true. But I still think the Giants laying only three points when you got Jared Goff in the wind outdoors playing against this defense that's going to be able to get after him with limited weapons. His tight end's not there any longer. Uh, I just think that the Giants are going to be able to control this game. I have not bet it, but right now I'm bucking the, the, the sharper money. Some guys are coming in, taking the Lions plus three, three and a half. I'm hoping it gets down to below three because I might lay it with the Giants here. There you have it. Steelers are home in Pittsburgh to see the Bengals. Shockingly, they opened the season with a three-point win, 23-20, in the jungle in Cincinnati. Nobody saw that coming, just like last year when the Steelers went into Buffalo and won the opener with a big second half against the Bills. No one saw that coming. But I'll tell you what's coming. Burrow and the Bengals are flat out better than the Steelers. This game is in pit. How do you think they do with Pickett and company against this Bengals team that's gotten a lot better since that opener? They have gotten better, and I think if they get DTJ Reader back, a defensive tackle is going to help slow down Najee Harris. That run game for the Steelers got going last week against an overrated, overhyped Saints defense that has really fallen off from last year. But one thing that I'll note here is that when Joe Burrow goes up against a defense that plays at least 50% too high, we keep talking about too high, that's two safeties back, really try to keep a lid on the opposing offense. That's what two high shells are. Uh, he is 0-4 when he goes up against a defense that plays him and uses at least 50% too high. He is 5-0 when he plays a defense that uses less than too high. Guess what? The Steelers use 55% in week one. Then T.J. Watt goes down. And from that point until T.J. Watt came back, the Steelers were averaging only 32% usage of too high. Now, last week, they got T.J. Watt back. Where were they? Above 50% in too high usage. They're going to use over 50% too high. They're going to slow down Joe Burrow and this Cincinnati Bengals offense that now is playing without Jamar Chase. He was there last week. I don't trust this Bengals offensive coaching staff to make enough improvements during the bye week to really help, but I do trust this Bengals defensive coaching staff. I think they're going to limit the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense to some extent. Here's another nugget for you, Scott. The Cincinnati Bengals have played six games since the start of last year where they've had extra rest. The under is 5-0-1 in those six games. They do a good job defensively of making adjustments, but their offense stinks coming out of these games. Oftentimes in the first quarter's games, they're scoring zero points, three points. They don't really start out on fire here. I like this game under the total. Played a little first half under, gave that out to the people at Sharp Football. I also like the full game under as well. If you can get a 41, that's a key number. You want to get 20 and a half in the first half or 41 for the game if you're going to join me on the under. So what do you think of uh, the difference T.J. Watt makes, and how do you think Pickett's doing? Uh, I mean, Pickett's going to go through some growing pains, especially against better defenses, and that's normal. I like the fact that he turned to the run because we know one of the most efficient plays in all of football is when the quarterback drops back the pass and then decides to scramble with the football. Those plays gain more yards on average than any other play in the game. Um, I think he should do more of that. And I know the coaches and some players, oh, come back. You need to practice reading the defense. I think he should continue to scramble. Uh, it's going to be some growing pains, but he's doing about as what I was expected. And if he can keep this game within four points, then I think he's going to exceed my expectations for sure. And what? 
Uh, Watt makes a massive difference. We've seen that. And not only the Steelers play better, but you could see they Gonna, they're going to go from 32% too high all the way up to above 55%. That's a huge change. It really changes this entire complexion of the defense. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the Bills. They've moved the game to Detroit to avoid the snow. Multiple reports now say that that has been confirmed. The game will be at Ford Field. We'll talk about the Bears at the Bends, the Rams and Saints. Carolina with Baker against Lamar in the Charm City. Washington and Houston in H-Town. Raiders uh, get support from their owner for their coach and GM. They're playing in Denver. They might be in trouble. Chiefs and Chargers at SoFi. We're talking to Warren Sharp. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, you heard him, Pharrella Free Week at SharpFootballAnalysis.com. Warren Sharp, our lead analyst on SportsGrid, getting ready for another week of pain day. Starts tonight at Lambeau, Sunday, a big day. They've already moved the Bills game with the Browns to Ford Field in Detroit. By the way, they're going to play two games there because they're playing Sunday, and then they play Thursday on Turkey Day against the Lions right there at Ford Field. How do you think they're going to handle all that, uh, Warren? Are they going to play there Sunday and stay or go back to the snowstorm blizzard and then fly back again? How do you think they're going to handle all that? It would be smart if they just stayed there and practiced. Uh, I'm not sure what they're going to do. Maybe they're going to bring all their families out there with them uh, before the snowstorm and just take a little mini vacation uh, with their families out in the hotels in Detroit. Look, it, it, you know, we, my, my reach is big enough now that when I see something on Twitter, it oftentimes gets noticed. And I was actually contacted by the head of the NFL PR after a tweet I sent earlier today explaining to me why they would move this game. And it's not just because there's going to be a lot of snow 
during the game because we all knew that the snow was going to occur prior to the game. But the in-game conditions were still going to be very blustery with, you know, uh, winds gusting to just around 30 miles per hour. We are going to have very cold temperatures. It's going to feel like uh, the upper teens to low 20s uh, for the game. So it wasn't going to be great conditions to be certain, uh, but we weren't going to get this massive dump. But the problem is you have this massive dump of snow before the game starts. It's going to cause a lot of problems with the emergency services and everything else they need to do around the community in Buffalo, in addition to like flying the refs in and flying the TV crews in and all the other logistics that have to go on. And so they didn't think that they were going to be able to get everybody to the game safely to host it in Buffalo. So that's why they end up moving it to Detroit. Now, there are some sports books that are honoring your bets. If you placed a bet, for example, on the over at 42 and a half, 43, now this total I think is sitting at like 49 and a half. All this has happened while we've been on the show. So I've seen 49 and a half. I don't know if that's the widely available number right now, but some books are honoring that. Most of the books are not honoring that, and you would have to go in and rebet it at the current line. Um, but, but that's the reason that they moved it. And I thought the Cleveland Browns were going to have some success running the football against this Buffalo Bills defense. They've really struggled to stop the run, particularly the last three to four weeks. Uh, their secondary is weakened, and they're giving up a lot on the ground. Uh, now that it's in a dome with right. you know, a good climate-controlled situation, I think Cleveland's going to have success running. I mean, why not? They don't have to play in a blizzard. I will say this. Fair enough. I get it. I know why they moved it. Uh, there's so many reasons, A to Z, why they moved it with getting people there, travel, TV crews, everything else. But it's not going to get any better in January in Buffalo for the playoffs. They've been playing all these games in Arrowhead the last few years in the title game. If they were to get to the title game in Buffalo, are they going to move every single game when it snows in Buffalo? It snows in Buffalo six days a week in the middle of January. So I think this is crazy. I know that they have to move it with six feet of snow, and they're probably not going to get six feet of snow every week in January. But they get tons of snow in Buffalo, so they can't move every single game. And I want to play playoff games in Buffalo if I'm the Buffalo Bills. I want to have teams come in there and suffer in the elements the same way as they do when they have to go to Lambeau. Well, certainly when you're playing, when you're talking about a lot of these teams from the AFC, not the Kansas City Chiefs, but a lot of them will play in warmer climates. So having those games in Buffalo in the cold is going to help. Obviously, the Buffalo Stadium is sort of wasn't built with this high flying offense in mind. And so it does become challenging when it's windy there to pass the football. And so that's the biggest issue in Buffalo is if there's wind, how are you going to pass the ball, which is why their new stadium that they're building is a lot more enclosed and trying to keep the wind out. But they still want it open air to let the snow in and let all the cold air in to give them a little bit more of a home field advantage. All right, we got a lot of games to hit. Bears are at the Benz in Atlanta. Uh, I think, you know, obviously Justin Fields has been going off. He's also gone off the rails. I thought the pass to Akuda was a, here, you take it. We don't want it. That was the worst pass I've seen in the NFL this year. I think Akuda has been a badass for the Lions this year after when he got drafted. Everyone called him a bust and he was horrible. But he's their best corner now, hands down. 
Oh, he, he is. He's, he's the best in the league right now because, like I said, the most efficient play in football is when a quarterback scrambles with the ball, and he's doing it more than any other quarterback, and he's very quick, and he's very fast. And so for those reasons, like, it's hard not to like the Chicago Bears here, but there's not really much value that you're getting at this number any longer. In addition, I'm just wondering about this game back and forth because these two teams are like this Spider-Man meme but from a different multiverse because they both are the number one and number two most run-heavy teams. They're two of the five most, the, the slowest paced teams in the NFL, and they both are very bad on early downs but really good offensively converting third downs and they're both bad defensively stopping third down conversions. What this all spells out to me is a lot of slow methodical drives by one team running the football and converting on third downs and trying to score and then the other team's going to come back and do the same thing. If you're punting the ball in this game that's going to be a problem. If you're settling for field goals in the red zone that's going to be a problem but both of those things are potentially going to happen here and so it's hard to predict what's going to happen from a total perspective or which side you think is going to cover because I just think both these teams though one team gets their efficiency running from their quarterback and now they've lost Khalil Herbert who is their explosive running back and they're going to have to rely more on David Montgomery who's not nearly as explosive it's just going to be a challenge both these teams want to do a lot of the same things and both of these teams are bad stopping the run in fact they both rank bottom seven in red zone run defense on the season so there could be some success if these teams can continue to run the football don't turn it over on downs and get down into the red zone the quarterbacks may not have to do a whole lot of work through the air and in a developing story it turns out that arthur smith is actually the scrooge uh rams and saints on bourbon street it looks like uh, Matt Stafford is going to clear protocols and get back for the Rams. Great season they're having after winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah seriously. Uh, it's definitely one of the more memorable seasons, or for them, forgettable. But for us, like, teams usually after they win a Super Bowl don't drop off like this. We see sometimes right. that the Super Bowl loser drops off like this. Rarely does the Super Bowl winner. Um, they can't protect Stafford, and now their number one receiver is out, who was basically most of their offense. They're also going to be going in with this quarterback who, as you just alluded to, is probably going to play but suffered a concussion and missed last week's game. I don't know that Sean McVay is going to have him drop back to pass the ball 40 times, 45 times. If the Saints can get any semblance of early pass rush, which they've really struggled to do on the season, we mention that all the time, but if they can get a little bit of pass rush, I think the Rams might be handing the ball off and running it a ton in this game. Conversely, and the Saints are just terrible. I mean, Andy Dalton is horrific, and they don't have a lot of efficiency on the ground with their run game and pay close attention to their offensive line. They lost one starter the week before last week's game to a triceps injury. They lost another guy last week to a concussion. Pay close attention to the Saints injury report. They could be down two more starters along that offensive line, rendering pressure on Andy Dalton easier to come by. And what do the Saints like to do offensively? They try to run the ball to keep it out of Andy Dalton's hands and use Kamara. The only thing that's good about the LA Rams offense or defense is the run defense right now. They are going to be able to slow down that run game of the Saints. And so this game's going to be gross. It's going to be gross. <laughs> Baker Mayfield is taking on Lamar Jackson in the Charm City, and that's not going to go well for him. Not. I'm wondering how many points he's going to get up on the scoreboard because this Baltimore Ravens defense has played a lot of decent offenses and Baker Mayfield has the lowest completion rate of any quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, he's really struggled. 
their offensive line is a little bit weaker. Their run game is a little bit weaker since when he was there uh, earlier on in the season. I just think that this team is set up for problems here. The Baltimore Ravens have really been dominant coming off of bye weeks. They've really been dominant at home. Um, and they really need this game badly. And so it wouldn't shock me if the Ravens get up early in this game and then just try to coast. That is something that they've done frequently. I don't know that the Carolina Panthers have enough in the tank to come back and try to steal this game from Baltimore, which has happened in the past uh, this season a lot. But could they sneak in the back door? Maybe they could. I kind of bet against it, but I don't really feel like betting this full game. If anything, I'm looking towards the Ravens in the first half, but you do have to lay a touchdown. How do you think ice cold Heineken's going to do down in Houston against the Texans? Well, this is the prime letdown spot, right? Like, this is the prime spot where after a short week game, they played Monday night. Now they have to go on the road. They don't just play Sunday. They have to be on the road on Sunday. They're going up against the Houston Texans team. Great, great spot to take the Texans by low opportunity after they had six trips to the Giants red zone and didn't score. Here's the biggest problem, though, Scott. Like, there could be buy-low spots from a betting perspective, from, like, a last week's results perspective. What is the line perspective? You also have to handicap the matchup. The problem for them is that the matchup stinks. They're going up against – all they want to do is run the ball, and they're going up against one of the best-run defenses in the NFL, maybe putting more on Davis Mills' shoulders. I just think it's going to be a challenge for them to be productive enough offensively against Washington. The Raiders have had nothing but nightmares all season long. Their owner, Mark Davis, had to go out and tell everyone, I love Josh McDaniels and Ziegler, the GM. Everything's uh, not built in a day. Uh, this is a long-term process, et cetera, et cetera. And I know Carr and Adams are very happy that he did it. But bottom line is they still suck. And they're going to Denver, and they're going to play the Broncos in that defense in the thin air. And look, there's only one way that you can make the Indianapolis Colts look great, and that's going up against this Raiders defense. They're the worst defense in the NFL right now. Um, and I'm wondering how Russ is going to fare. But I mean, here's how bad the Raiders are. They might want to fire their coach, but they can't afford to fire their coach because they're so cash-strapped. I mean, what kind of a franchise is this? You couldn't even fire your coach if you wanted to because you don't have enough cash to pay out his contract and hire a new coach. Uh, absurd what's going on uh, with Mark Davis and the Raiders right now. But this definitely is a spot if you want to back the Denver Broncos. Like. I would lean into it. They couldn't get it done last week. Russell Wilson took 17 hits. I recorded a video earlier for SportsGrid. Took 17 hits, the most since 2006 that a quarterback has taken that many hits. Just holding on to the football forever. If he gets rid of the ball a little bit quicker against this Raiders team, this offense could be a little bit productive against such a terrible defense. I just don't have a lot of confidence in Russ. And today it's been reported that uh, Russ is calling plays and audibles from Seahawks days in the Denver huddle that the Broncos guys are looking like, what are you doing? And the, the guy says that Russ is losing his mind in the huddle, like he's not really thinking straight. So uh, I don't know what is going on out there. <laughs> My man, Warren. All right, 40 seconds. Chiefs and Chargers is going to be a good one at SoFi. <laughs> it is. Um, I'm wondering the health of these receivers. We got to keep checking the injury report. The Chiefs have three receivers on the injury report. 
One of them might come back MVS. The other two might be out for this game. Uh, meanwhile, we're getting reports that the Chargers are getting a couple receivers back, but pay close attention to if these guys are actually going to be ready to play or if they're just finally starting to practice again. But those guys are all going to be very important before you bet this game. Mahomes is a badass. I just wanted to say that. It's important that we get that in. San Francisco and Arizona will be the game that we talk about when we come back. That one's in Mexico City. We'll hear what Warren thinks about that puppy next on Coast to Coast. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You can check him out at uh, Sharp Football on uh, Twitter, and you can see him here every Thursday on Coast to Coast Sports Grid TV. Warren Sharp, our lead analyst. So San Francisco and Arizona. By the way, uh, Nicole Hardman onto the IR. That's two receivers, Juju and Hardman out. You had a quick nugget on that one before we hit San Francisco, Arizona, and Mexico City. You think a lot of people are hammering the over, but you think the Niners are going to run the ball now all night. I think the Chiefs are going to turn a little bit more to the ground game. I mean, somebody very influential. I'm looking over at my odds screen here and at the board up here at the MGM, and we're seeing this total get bet towards the over. It's now 52 at some spots, and I definitely think that the Charger, the Chiefs might turn to the ground game a little bit more here. Uh, so that's why I'm still interested to see this final injury report with these wide receivers. All right. The Niners in Mexico City against Arizona. Uh, Murray still got the hammy. Uh, Colt McCoy's got a knee and a hammy, and I think the Niners can roll them. I want my my ideal scenario here is that Kyler Murray gets upgraded, the book and everybody else overreact, and they lower this line, and you could get the 49ers for a cheaper price because this offense is almost like what Russ was doing and now what Geno's doing in Seattle, where Russ was like going off script all the time and kind of like calling his own shots and trying to do his own thing. And Geno's like doing exactly what the coaches say and the offense looks a lot better. That's what I think happened last week. 
we had Colt McCoy come and do exactly what the coaches say, fire the ball exactly where they told him to throw the ball, and that offense looked a lot more efficient than when Kyler Murray is there, even though Kyler Murray is by far the better quarterback. I think that Kyler Murray is going to struggle if he's under pressure, especially not 100%. Here's some quick stats. Murray's 36 in completion rate when he's under pressure and averages just three point yards per pass attempt under pressure. I think this Cardinals offensive line is beaten up. I think the 49ers are going to get a lot of pressure here. I hope Murray is up and then I'll bet the 49ers with a lower number. All right, Warren, fabulous stuff as always. Always a blast hanging out with you all hour, every week on Thursdays. Enjoy the game tonight and this weekend, my man. I'll see you. Thanks for everything. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.